This presentation is from UX Australia 2015, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. I'd like to introduce Rosie and Renee. Uh, and, and we've got another great case study. Thanks. Thank you. So I'm Renee and this is Rosie. And I guess what we have for you today is, is a bit of a summary of a journey that Rosie and I have been on for the past year and a half. Um, and like all good journeys, it started over coffee. And over coffee, what, what we talked about um, is... I'm from Telstra, Rosie's from U1. And what we talked about was a problem we're having at Telstra of how do we better understand our service experience so we can inform design better. And what we really have for you today is an articulation of what, what those issues were that we were having, the approach that we took, and a, a bit of a detailed approach in terms of exactly what we'd need to do to get there. In order to understand that, first, a little bit about me and Rosie. So first up, uh, Neva, Rosie and I are designers. We do work in a design team, but we're not designers, so we're, we're in a design world in that way. My background is customer research and embedding insights into the business. And it's worth saying that Telstra is actually a really exciting place to be at the moment. More and more, design and design practice where we work is having a real seat at the head of a table. So what that means is service designers, strategic thinkers, people who are deeply embedded in UX are really getting to have a say on how should we launch a product and how should we understand this service. So it's, it's a pretty good place to be right now for someone who enjoys embedding insights. Rosie. So I'm Rosie Hamby and I head up the analytics and insights area within U1. So this is a new area. So U1 is a user and customer experience research company. And this is a new area that we're bringing into um, UX and CX. So my background is actually quant research, stats, all that sort of stuff that you don't start a conversation at a party with. <laughs> um, and I'm actually really, really passionate about it. I'm, I'm one of those ones that I really actually care that the reports I write get used and that an outcome comes from that. I don't just like detailing facts. I like to have insight that can actually then be practically applied and key outcomes come from it. And I'm a real believer that the combination of quant and qual is a very, very powerful tool. So I said at the beginning that Rosie and I sat over coffee and we talked about our needs. And this is essentially the summary of the needs that I went through. And the first one is, it can sometimes be difficult to prioritise our research priorities. Um, the last presentation talked about personas and questions come up like, well, how many people does this impact and, and how does this fit in? And essentially, we have the same problem. We kind of journey maps come with issues and say, well, what's the metric behind that? Uh, how do we prioritise this? What's our biggest bang for buck? The second one is uh, our testing is sometimes in that controlled environment. So it can be that sunny day scenario. How do we make sure we understand when it comes to our service environment, what's really happening behind the lines there? You know, the keynote speaker, Rosie and I were having a chuckle about it. He was talking about the barbed wire that sometimes phone companies will put before someone gets to talk to someone. How do we understand that? How do we understand what's really happening currently and what environment are we putting a new product or service into? Sometimes there's no tangible understanding of our success. We do beautiful, great work, but how do we understand what is our contribution to that? And after something launches, what did we say and what did we do to make it go right? And lastly, there's been a lot of presentations around things that are getting lost in translation. Telstra being such a big company, that, that often happens with us too. 
findings can get lost in translation across business units and there are times when PACs will turn up and will say, that's not quite what we said or that's not what we meant. So how do we ensure for that consistency? So what we needed to do was define what does a positive service experience look like and what does that really mean for customers and how can we make it testable? Because like many of you, our clients continually ask for that metric, they ask for that test. How can we make sure that it's consistent and it's measurable? And critically, how can we make sure that we can easily communicate it across all business units? So many of you would have been familiar with the bottom line here. Concept testing, journey mapping, design and prototyping, user testing, post-launch reviews. So they're, they're techniques we tend to use a lot. And at the top here, we have our quant research. And that's Rosie's world. So what we, what we really wanted to do here is say, well, how can we bring some of that into here? So some of the questions we were getting from our design team were things like, wouldn't it be great is when I, when I did my customer journey mapping, if I could understand from the outset, well, currently in our service experience, what's happening? What are the metrics telling us our key pain points are? And then critically, how can I develop further insight into that and understand what does that really mean from a customer's point of view? I think that's one of the critical points we have here is, Neither can really be taken on their own. We can't just give a metric and say, this is what's happening. We can't just give a qual insight and say, this is what's happening. But together, they create a great holistic view of our customer. So we created a framework. And that framework links quantitative research and qualitative research. And Rosie will talk about what that looks like. So what is the service driver framework? Well, simply... Hey. <laughs> Simply, it identifies the most significant aspects of a customer service experience that have a positive or negative impact on customers. So what does that actually mean? Well, it's good to understand the way Telstra works and how they actually measure um, their success of customer experience. So they use the Net Promoter Score. So we've heard a little bit about that over the last couple of days, but if you're not familiar with it, it's basically at every interaction or a series of experiences that a customer has, they are asked then the question, um, how likely would you be to recommend Telstra? And they give a score between 0 and 10, and that's converted to an NPS score. And um, what goes with that is that they ask the question, why do you say that? And so there's a lot of information that comes from that. And this is collected daily, and the amount of information that comes from is, is massive and very, very underutilised. Um, and m most of the, the product managers and very senior managers right through to front of frontline staff, they're all measured. Their KPIs is based on that score. And um, as far as within the design practice, we have to test products and look at that score and how we think that product's going to go um, once we launch it into an already usually problematic environment when it comes to customer service. So how do we know how we're going to go? The NPS score alone just wasn't enough. And there was so much feedback, so much information, and a lot of people had done a bit of analysis here and there with the, um, with the feedback. But due to the size of it and the enormity of it, um, there was just a lot of anecdotal information. And so what we had to do was come up with a, a structured way of getting as much information out of the verbatim as it can, but, but in a consistent and measurable way. And that's essentially what we did. So this is an example of some of the framework. I'm going to explain it. 
on the on the far side, the first side there, you've got an overriding theme, and and this is this is not rocket science. Okay, you're going to look and go, yeah, I already knew that. Um, reliability and trust, efficiency and simplicity, communication and staff attitude. They're the four overriding themes. Now, what does reliability and trust mean for Telstra? Okay, so these themes, by the way, we got from the verbatim. Okay, I personally. <laughs> read 3,000 verbatim to come up with this framework. Um, I almost killed myself afterwards, but I did do it (laughs) and I achieved it, okay? And I didn't use a text analytics package and I'll get into the methodology of that for for very specific reasons. So then we came up with, well, what are the service drivers? So for, for reliability and trust, the key ones for Telstra are resolving issues and keeping promises. Sounds simple, but with a large organisation with lots of things happening and lots of barbed wire fence and lots of silos, this is not an easy task. So that's the service drivers and then the specific experiences are the experiences or the metrics that actually make up what those drivers are. So, for example, with resolution, it's you've got to be proactive to resolve the issue. You don't wait for the customer to call you. You've got to call the customer and say there's a problem or something like that. With keeping promises, it's the technicians have to turn up on time or they need to ring and let us know. That's critical to the customer. Um, Callbacks, we call back when we say we're going. It all sounds pretty easy and straightforward, but as we discovered it throughout this process, these things are not that easy to achieve. A couple of key things about this framework is, um, and why I think it's been so successful, is that, first of all, this isn't all of it, by the way. First of all, it's really, really simple, okay? And secondly, it's actually very comprehensive. And it is a current view of what the customers are saying as well. Um, The other thing that makes it successful, well, from our experience of using it over the last year and a half, is that you can actually track it. And that's one of the key things. So the way we've designed it is that most of those service drivers actually don't change. What changes is the experiences that make up those drivers. So you can actually have multiple products and experiences. And what we've found, and we've tested this, is that because this framework took so long to make and was painful, it actually does cover off most of the current issues that our customers in Telstra have. So we could look at anything. We could look at uh, mobiles. We could look at broadband, we could look at bundles, whatever, whatever product it is, we could map the customer feedback to this framework. And that's been what has been uh, very successful with it. So then a couple of things around the creation of it. It's not just a simple matter of getting the verbatim and saying, I'm going to code it. Because I saw so many people, I did a lot of talking to a lot of people throughout Telstra, and everyone did just get some of the verbatim and code it, but they all did it independently of each other and all had very different interpretations. What we did was say, okay, we've got to understand other business units, how they think. So a bit like what Dave was talking about, we have to get inside the minds of other people. We have to understand internal processes. We have to understand the external process for the customer. We have to understand all of that so that when we're we're looking at that feedback we know what the customer's actually talking about. We had to also, as part of this, define, well, what is our customer? 
because there's many different types of customers within Telstra and there's also business, business to business and so on, consumer. We had to um, understand what experience it was because with Telstra there's multiple different experiences. So we had to narrow down for the framework that we were looking at. We decided it was consumer only at this point. We've still got to develop one for business because it's a different experience. And for this one, it's based on the sales process, the activation, and also the billing. But there's many more different processes. So you've got to be clear around what processes and experiences. And you've got to understand what data is available and accessible and what method you would use, because this is all the processes that we had to go through to develop this. And then most importantly, the language that we use to actually define what those service drivers are. So what Rosie essentially said then is we, we did a lot of talking and a one question that I've had from a lot of people even across Telstra is, did you really need to talk to all of those people? Did you really need to collaborate to that level? And the, the short answer is actually yes, we did. And that does go back to getting inside people's minds and understanding what they need. But to give you an idea, and I'm going to flip through to a lot, to give you an idea, on the right-hand side here, we, we have all the people that we had to talk to. We, had people who are deeply involved in the infrastructure of how something is built, people who are deeply involved in, in technical processes and how that's designed, as well as who needed to actually sell it, people who needed to market it. And as you can imagine, how, how does someone up here in infrastructure who might have data on testing actually talk to someone in marketing about the impact of the customer experience? How does someone developing the technical process even talk to someone in sales? Do they, do they have the same language? Not really, but they all have data along here that can help everyone understand what the customer experience is. So what we had to do was not just create a framework that linked qual and quant, but also create a framework that allowed people to actually speak to each other. So no matter who I was, if I'm in infrastructure, I can have a great conversation with someone in corporate comms about what we need to do to create an advocacy outcome. And the beauty of having a framework is that we create a shared language. So we're all actually speaking the same terminology. We're not saying slightly different languages that don't quite make sense and we all know exactly what we need to do and we have that sharing amongst us using the service driver framework. Okay, so how do we use it? I'm going to give you a few examples of practical application. So firstly, there's, there's three ways that I personally use it and my area use it. Um, so we've got my area that was sort of brought in to quantify and track um, experiences, and then you've got designers who um, will use it in a different way. So I'm going to focus on how I use it, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about how the designers have told me they use it, okay? So firstly, there, there's three areas. So identifying success through benchmarking and tracking. Also, we do, and this is a mouthful, an advocacy impact assessment <laughs> and gap analysis. Um, and really, this is just identifying risks and prioritising these risks before a product launches. And then thirdly, we actually use the framework to prioritise the results that we get from our user and um, customer experience research and testing. So I'm going to show you a practical application of one of those to give you a bit more of a feel for it. And I do apologise, this does get a little bit technical, but I am a statistician, so it's got to happen at some point. So this is, the, this is the point. Okay, practical application. So we're looking here at a new process for installing a consumer service. That was the, the task. And I needed to understand the risk to the customer experience upon, upon launch. 
are needed to identify the most significant technical and sales processes um, that were going to impact the customer once we launched this product because inevitably those things change. And I had to calculate an advocacy risk score. So how did I do all of that? This is my approach. So first of all, I reviewed um, all the quant and qual available to me. Then I mapped it to the framework, so hence the link. And through all of that, I identified risk. Okay, so how does this sort of work? Let me explain here. So I have my service driver framework in the first column there. The next two columns identify all the current quant information, so the current experience that the customer is having. There was two key sources I could use. I would tap into the existing feedback and you do a large enough statistically significant sample size to get a feel for um, issues that were coming up and whether they related to each of those service drivers. So I knew what the critical issues were right now for the customer in the current environment. I also then could get a hold of some operational metrics. Um, I believe you have to be careful with operational metrics, but they do have their purpose in place with, with experienced design as well. And then, so that's kind of gives me the current environment. And then the qualitative information was more about the future of what this new product was going to do. So I looked at service walkthroughs, trials. I also included journey maps into this. And I looked at the... I talked to all the technical guys. I talked to the sales process guys. And I said, OK, what is it that's going to change with, once we launch this product? What are some of the processes? It was a, it was a big task. And then we put it all together in a very, very big spreadsheet. Um, it, to give you an indication, it was 15 pages, A3, small font, to try and do this. So it was big. But the process of doing it was really... Um, ended up being a lot of fun because it really brought everything together and helped us to see where the key issues were. And what we could do then was we say, OK, well, given all those issues what is the severity going to be to the customer? Now, this is an estimate, okay? How likely is it going to occur? And based on those things and a few other things, we came up with what we think that risk is to the customer. And then that's a lot of information in a lot of spreadsheets, so we weren't going to give that to anyone. What we did was give them a chart. And what this tells me is, the severity of impact to the customer by how likely it is to occur, the ones in the top right-hand side there, activation time frame and customer effort, from everything that we reviewed, they were going to be the things that were getting impacted the most. So what we had to do was go back to our spreadsheet here and say, OK, which ones fit under that? What are the related issues? And we documented those and we went out through all the different business units that it related to and said, this is where we think the biggest risk is. What mitigation processes do we have in place before we launch this product? And what we found was we were really, really well received because product managers and senior managers, they're all judged on the NPS score. They want as much help as they can to know which direction that NPS score is going to move when they launch their product. So for us, it, it was um, we were well received, and they're now at, at this particular project finished a couple of weeks ago, and I know they're already going through the product owners and technical people and all these people 
are all looking at the document and say, okay, these are the mitigations, have we got in place, because we know that that's going to affect the most people and affect their experience. So that's been the success of this. Now, just finally then for me, what are my designers telling me? Because this went beyond just what I needed to use the framework for. They've started using it. And these are some of the quotes that they've given me. Um, in discovery, we've used this to help design our research materials and interview scripts. Uh, these drivers become quick ways for us to elicit structured data from our stakeholders. So that would be before a workshop, for example. And when we are defining the problem we are trying to solve, we use this as a catalyst for thinking during stakeholder workshops. I've been in workshops, actually, um, a lot lately, and they're using this framework as a starting point um, to get people talking. We use this as an existing structure in which to cut down the amount of time we spend doing affinity analysis. So that's just some of the examples of how designers are using this framework as well. Summing up, as it is pretty much lunchtime. So summing up, I started this with, with our problems and our needs. And I said, we have trouble prioritising it. Prioritisation. We have trouble prioritising our research findings. So by doing this, we can match our findings and we can say to people, biggest bang for buck, start here. Testing is sometimes in a controlled environment. We can actually understand what's currently happening and then what are the pain points and we can feed that into our design. The tangible understanding, by having the operational metrics link in and having that data there, we can actually test things post-launch and say, well, how is this going? What's, what's the good indicators? And what that also enables us to do is say, this is what we did and this is our contribution with absolute clarity. Finally, the results being lost in translation. We, we dedicated a whole section there to really honing in on the fact that we have to collaborate and we have to get inside the heads of these different business units because what we've ended up with is a framework that has a shared language. So what did we learn? Well, the first one sounds simple, right? That we learnt that we can look at customers holistically. It's, it's what we all aim to do, but inevitably, a lot of the time, we don't. We, we look at them in compartments. We, we look at a self-install kit, for example, and we say, well, that tests great, but we don't necessarily look at the overall experience for a customer. This enables us to do that. We can understand the customer better than ever, and we can really measure our success. And we've learnt that we can create a tool that understands the existing service environment that helps us prioritise our, our, our findings, our research, and, and really hone in on the things that will have the biggest impact. And that's us today. We hope you liked this presentation from UX Australia 2015. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.